Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Centuries and Saints. This is Scott Matson, your host. Thank you for tuning in. Now, I am excited. We are about halfway done with season two, and we are starting on this episode a three-part mini-series within our Attributes of God series this season, looking at what are called the Omnis of God. Now, again, Omni just means all in Latin. And so today and the next two episodes, we'll be looking at the omnipresence, the omniscience, and the omnipotence of God. Or in other words, the fact that God is in all places, he knows everything, and he is all powerful. So today, we will be looking at God's omnipresence. So I hope you enjoy the episode, and I will talk to you again after this. And so last week, uh, we finished up our look at the faithfulness of God, uh, that attribute of our Lord that is so wonderful. And I had Colin in here to help me teach. That was cool. Always fun having him in. And uh, just looking at God's faithfulness all throughout Scripture, you know, his faithfulness to uh, Abraham, the promises in Genesis there of the new covenant of the gospel and the fulfillment of that when God became a man uh, in the person of Jesus. And, And then his faithfulness throughout the rest of the New Testament and the promises that he's faithful to complete the work, uh, you know, that he's begun in us. And uh, just a, a great, great time, at least for me personally, just studying God's faithfulness and his, his goodness to us. And uh, so that was great last week. And so this week, uh, what I want to do is continue looking at the attributes of God. And this week, next week, and the week following, Lord willing, I want to take a look at the three attributes of God that begin with the word omni. And that's his omnipotence, his omniscience, and his omnipresence. Okay, and so... Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at the omnipresence of God, the fact that he uh, is everywhere. Okay, now sometimes I give like a suggested reading or a suggested watching list, and I would suggest to you guys, if you're curious, on YouTube, uh, just type in Dr. Stephen Lawson, The Attributes of God. And he did a nine-part lecture series at Grace Life Church in London, and uh, it's really good. And uh, it's a fantastic session. In session six and seven, he talks about these three omnis of God. Okay, so if you're curious and you want to maybe dig a little bit deeper, uh, I would recommend that to you. It was a real blessing uh, to my walk and to my study as well. Uh, let's get into it. We're going to talk again about God's omnipresence today. Okay, so uh, first things first, the word omni, O-M-N-I, that comes from the Latin word omnia, which simply means all. Now, omnipotence, potence, uh, comes from the Latin potens, which uh, is the word for power and denotes power and rulership, which means so omnipotence and is Latin for all powerful. Uh, the word science in Latin is knowledge. And so omniscience, omniscience means all knowing. And presence comes from the Latin word, of course, for presence. So omnipresent or omnipresence means all present. <clears throat> okay, so. Uh, that's just kind of a a quick linguistic view of what these things mean. Okay. So the fact that God is all knowing, all powerful and all present. Okay. So we're going to be taking a look at that over these next couple weeks. And again, just getting a more full knowledge of God and of who he is and, and just knowing this God that we serve and who has saved us. Okay. And then one other thing too, that I want to point out, and I think this is important simply, uh, because, you know, we need to remember this. Um, it's just, Again, we are, we are finite people, and we know God because he's revealed himself to us uh, in the person of Jesus when God became a man, 
and he is the final word from the Father to us. And then he's also revealed himself to us in his word, the Bible. And so those are what we have for our, our sources of revelation. You know, we've got Jesus in the Bible. When we as finite humans attempt to understand the infinite God, uh, you know, obviously there's a limit that we're going to reach. You know, obviously none of us, you know, can perfectly and completely and exhaustively understand uh, the eternal, infinite, triune God. And John Calvin said, it's a Latin phrase, finitum non capax infinitum, which means the finite cannot contain or understand the infinite. And I wanted to say that, first of all, in Latin, because I just like the way Latin sounds, and it sounds cool, uh, but it's really important that we understand that, <clears throat> you know, and there can be a tendency, I think, sometimes, you know, when we're studying, you know, the attributes of God and getting to know God, I think there can almost be a sense of hopelessness and a sense of futility. Like, my goodness, what is the, like, God is so infinitely bigger than, than we can ever understand. What's the point of doing this? You know, why are we taking all this time uh, to study these things about God? Well, uh, part of the reason we're doing that, obviously, is because, you know, uh, we have been adopted as his sons and daughters. For those of us that are in Christ, you know, he has given us the authority to become the sons and daughters of God. John chapter 1. Our Father is now God. The triune God of the Bible has become our Father and our Savior. And, you know, obviously as children, we want to know our Father. You know, that's why we're doing this. And it is true, yeah, we're, we're never going to even come close to exhaustively understanding um, God this side of eternity, of course. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't do our best, you know, with what He's given us. And again, we have, you know, Himself... Uh, in the person of Jesus, his son, and we have his word, the Bible. And so as we study our Lord Jesus and we study his word, you know, uh, we just get to know God. And then secondly, um, the other reason I wanted to do this is because, you know, I think that there's so often a tendency to take everything that we learn or that we read and that we study and apply it to ourselves, to our own lives. And I think that's great. Please don't misunderstand me. Um, I do it every time I teach. Uh, I think we all do. There's a tendency, you know, we, we take what the Bible says and the things that we learn and we say, awesome, how does that apply to me? What does this mean for me? And we need to do that because the word of God convicts and comforts and exhorts. And we need to look at everything that we do and everything we study, of course, in the light of, okay, God, you know, this is what you've shown me through your word. How does this apply to my life? And that's important and we need to do that. Uh, but also, I think sometimes there is a place where we don't necessarily need to do personal application. We just need to study God for who he is and just let it stand at that and just be in awe of him. And so that's the other reason I want to do this, okay? Today, we're going to be looking again at Psalm chapter uh, 139, verses uh, 7 through 12 today. Now, it's interesting, uh, verses 1 through 16 of Psalm 139 actually deal with these three attributes of God. Okay, they deal with God's uh, omniscience, verses 1 through 6, uh, his omnipresence in verses 7 through 12, and his omnipotence in verses 13 through 16. As I was studying and I was looking at that, that just kind of jumped out at me, and I think that was the Lord. Uh, you know, that the first part of Psalm 139 can be broken up into those three uh, topics there. So today we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 12 of Psalm chapter 139. So I'm going to just go ahead and read those to you really quickly, and then we're just going to talk about it as we get a view of God's omnipresence and what this means. Okay, so the psalmist writes this, Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? 
Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. So that's an incredible thought. You know, as we look at this biblically, uh, the psalmist writes here, you know, it doesn't matter where I go. I mean, if I could ascend to heaven or even if I made my bed in hell, God, you're there. You know, if I, if I took the wings of the dawn and dwelt in the most remote, unknown part of the sea, you know, which we know today scientifically is the Marianas Trench, which is seven miles deep below the surface of the ocean, even there, God, your hand will lead me and your right hand, the symbol of God's power will lay hold of me. That's amazing. You know, God truly is everywhere. God is omnipresent. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he is ever present. He inhabits, you know, as, as we would say, every square inch, uh, you know, of the universe and beyond. You know, um, it's amazing. It's incredible. Jesus said in John 4, you know, God is spirit. You know, um, <clears throat> which is, it's just such an amazing thing that knowing that our God is everywhere present. Okay. Uh, King Solomon said in second Chronicles six eighteen, you know, that even the heaven of heavens cannot contain God. Um, you know, it's amazing. Psalm 113, five through six, who is like the Lord, our God, who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. Okay. So God humbles himself, not only to behold the things that take place here on the earth, but even those things in heaven. That's how big God is. He is infinite. He's eternal. You know, we, we would say in our language, there's nowhere that God isn't. Uh, and again, it's beyond. It's because God transcends time and space. God's the creator of time and he's the creator of space. Uh, you know, God's not bound to those things. So as humans, we only think in terms of time and space. We think linearly, but God's not bound by any of that. He's bigger than all of that. It's amazing. Now, <clears throat> This truth of the omnipresence of God evokes a couple of different responses within us as believers, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, on the one hand, it can be somewhat scary and convicting, you know, because we remember that God is in every bedroom, he's in every movie theater, he's in every college dorm room, you know, he's in every back alley, so to speak. You know, God sees everything, he's everywhere. Um, and that should evoke within us a sense of reverence and godly fear and a desire to please the Lord in all that we do and to really be in awe of him, you know, as Christians. Now, at the same time, the other side of that coin, as believers, that should also give us a lot of comfort uh, because it's something that theologians call the imminence of God, which means his nearness. So the fact that God is always with us, that he's everywhere, that we're never alone, should give us as Christians uh, a great sense of gratitude and peace and, and joy, you know, being comforted by the fact that our all-sovereign God, the eternal God, is always with us. He's with us everywhere we go and everything we do, and he is for us, as it says in Romans chapter 8. Okay, Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? 
Oh, man. So as we as believers contemplate the omnipresence of God, this attribute of our God, <clears throat> you know, that God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit is everywhere present. There's nowhere that he's not. That should give us as Christians, again, sort of that dual sense of just awe and godly fear and reverence, and at the same time, comfort and joy and great, great peace. If you haven't noticed by now, uh, that's kind of the way that it is with all of God's attributes. You know, God is, he's eternal and he's infinite. Um, And every one of God's attributes, you know, as I said, sort of towards the beginning of this whole series, uh, you know, they all exist with perfect harmony with one another. So in other words, God isn't, you know, 50% holy and, you know, 45% loving and 1% wrath and 2% righteous. And it's not like that. No, God's attributes, his fullness make up his nature. They're all in perfect existence, 100% with each other, you know, which is fantastic. And at the same time, it is scary because, I mean, this is the infinite eternal God uh, you know, the all sovereign, powerful one who created the universe and everything in it and everything else that exists, you know, and <laughs> this is the one, you know, with whom we have to do as the Bible says. And yeah, that is scary. I mean, my goodness, you know, uh, he's that powerful and, and he's eternal. And yet at the same time for us who are Christians, knowing that he took on human flesh and incarnated in order to die and rise again for us, to save us, to give us eternal life, you know, that also should cause us great, great comfort, you know, knowing that this God loves us infinitely. It's just amazing. It's absolutely incredible, you know, that God has set his love upon us uh, in those ways. Uh, We read in the book of Hebrews that our God is a consuming fire. I believe that's at the end of chapter 10 off the top of my head. Uh, It says that God is a consuming fire, okay? Now, an all-consuming fire is a huge blessing to you if that fire is protecting you and consuming uh, everything and everyone that is trying to harm you. Okay, that's kind of a weird thing to say, but just go with me, okay? However, if that all-consuming fire is coming for you to consume you, it's a terrifying thing, okay? And I think that's a very, very uh, apt description of our God and of what the nature of God practically looks like. Uh, For those of us who are believers, God's attributes and and God's nature evokes, of course, that godly fear and awe and reverence, but it's also comforting, okay? Uh, For non-believers, though, they rightly should be terrified uh, because God is holy and righteous, okay? And sin, you know, will be punished if it's not, you know, if the person does not place their faith in Christ. So, you know, as Christians, you know, we flee to Christ for salvation and, God in all of his fullness, his triunity, Father, Son, and Spirit is always with us and for us for our good forever and ever. And that does evoke a fantastic sense of comfort for us who are believers and should also produce within us a desire to preach the gospel truth to non-believers so that they as well can flee to the cross uh, to escape the wrath to come, as Paul writes in, in Thessalonians, you know. And so it's just amazing, you know, as we study who God is, and we get to know him better and study his attributes, our perspectives on him change and become hopefully more biblical. And then also our perspectives on ourselves change as well. You know, as we get to know him more, we get to understand more who we are in light of that. And uh, man, what an amazing thing that God has done for us. And the fact that we get to walk with him and be his children is just mind blowing to me. So uh, that's been a blessing to me, guys. I hope it's been a blessing to you as we've looked at the omnipresence of God. And uh, man, may the Lord just bless you guys today. 
Well, thank you for tuning into the podcast again as we took a look at the omnipresence of God, the fact that our God is everywhere at all times. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. Once again, please go to the podcast store, rate us, write us a review, and uh, share it with your friends and your family and, and people that you know. It really helps to get the word out, and we appreciate it. And so until next time, for Centuries and Saints, this is Scott Matson. Peace. Take me